Today's episode is brought to you by FocusFi.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Grind. I am your host, Colin Morgan, and five days a week, I aim to motivate, educate, and inspire you to live the life of your dreams. I interview some of the most successful and inspiring people, along with sharing insight of my own, in order for you to not only be successful in what you're doing, but prosper in business and life. This show is for grinders, people who don't just have dreams, but are willing to lay it all on the line and grind for what they want. Welcome everyone to The Daily Grind. You want to begin investing as early as you can. You want to start with as small dollars as you have and begin developing your knowledge so because you're going to make mistakes. And so yeah. um, the first mistakes are the cheapest mistakes if they're small dollars. The most dangerous thing you can do is you know inherit a million dollars and have no investment experience because then you're making mistakes with large quantities of money. I am always experimenting with new ways to stay focused and keep my energy level high throughout the day. As an entrepreneur, I know that this is paramount to my success. I recently discovered a new supplement that has solved this key issue for me. Focus 5 by Wealth Nutrition not only keeps me focused, but gives me the energy to stay motivated throughout my day while maintaining a positive mindset. See, most supplements for me really don't help, never have, and make me more jittery than anything else. I haven't had any of those issues while on FocusFi. So if you want to try FocusFi for 50% off for all Daily Grind listeners, all you have to do is visit FocusFi.com. Again, that is F-O-C-U-S-F-I.com. Hi, everybody. Happy Wednesday and welcome back to The Daily Grind. On today's episode of the show, I bring you the financial mentor, Todd Tresseter. Todd is a financial coach, author, and owner of the popular retirement website, financialmentor.com. As an entrepreneur and former hedge fund manager, his portfolio management made him a self-made millionaire at the age of 35. When he is not long distance hiking, the John Muir Trail or helicopter skiing in Canada, Todd coaches his unconventional and effective tactics to those looking to gain financial freedom and transform their interpersonal life. His books have hit number one in retirement categories on Amazon. Todd's investment and personal wealth advice has been featured in Forbes, Inc., NPR, U.S. News, Wall Street Journal, and dozens of financial and entrepreneur podcasts. His website, financialmentor.com, has been recognized as one of Forbes' 25 best retirement websites and inks.com, 11 smart personal financial blogs. Learn more about Todd at his website, financialmentor.com. And today on the show, Todd shares with us some really important lessons about finance and investing if you're looking to get into it. Um, A lot of great information in this show. So as always, everyone, be sure to grab that pen, notepad, sit back, and dive deep in today's interview with Mr. Todd Tresseter. Enjoy. Well, Todd Tresseter, welcome to The Daily Grind. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me on the show, Colin. Thanks so much for being here, Todd. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, say for some audience members, listeners out there being first introduced to you today, just kind of in your own words, explaining a little bit more of who you are and what you do. 
Yeah, so I've been a serial entrepreneur my whole life, even since childhood. Um, in recent hailings from you know adulthood, I was a former hedge fund manager when I came out of college. I went into the hedge fund space, which is skill-based investing, um, as distinguished from uh, traditional um, passive investing. Uh, I was doing skill-based stuff in the hedge fund business, and it was before they were even called hedge funds; they were private placement partnerships. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I've been doing lately, so I retired from that at 35, and if you could see me right now, I'm a gray-haired old guy, so I'm 57, so that was 22 years ago. Yeah. Um, and what I do now is I'm building a financial education business. So it started out as a coaching business, and then it just became too big, and I couldn't take all the clients, So then, which was a good problem to have. But then, uh, so I've morphed it into uh, taking my knowledge and packaging it up in products, so books and courses. Very interesting. And, you know, to build a little context, Todd, I know you had mentioned that you'd been in entrepreneurship your whole life. Like growing up, yeah. was that like a part of, was that, a, was that a viable option for you in terms of what your family thought that you could, you know, do something and start off on yourself? Or did you have the idea maybe at the beginning of going to school and finding a job and doing it that way? Not at all. I was just a freak in my family. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, all my family is normal W-2 employees. My dad was... Um, but I was always an entrepreneur. I mean, I started out as a, you know, with a paper route as a kid. Um, I had a sailboat refinishing business, uh, taught sailing. I, I mean, you know, throughout college, I, you know, I, I built a, uh, a swimming pool supply business. Wow. I had this crazy idea that I could figure out, I could get targeted mailing lists by going through and finding all the pool permits. And I built this targeted mailing list and Xeroxed them onto forms and had sticky labels and sent out flyers and then went off and got the supplies for 50% of what I sold them for and delivered them. And I did that during the summers during college. Wow. And so I was just always an entrepreneur. I just was always creative that way. I've, I had a W-2 job for six months. I worked for Hewlett Packard coming straight out of college for six months and I was fired within six months. I mean, I'm just basically really? unemployable. Yeah. Interesting. So you get out of college, you get fired, you start to do some off. Obviously you start to do stuff yourself and you find yourself as a, a hedge fund manager. Can you talk about the kind of that experience with us? Well, how it came to be was I was fascinated by investing. Um, I'm fascinated by uh, personal finance and investing and wealth building. It's just, I'm just a junkie for the stuff. I was doing a lot of reading on the subject, started developing some different ideas and got introduced to a guy. This was when I was working for Hewlett Packard, so it was like the first six months out of college. Okay. But I've been I've been developing the knowledge back when I was in college too, um, taking investments courses and coming up with different ideas. I mean, I can remember when I first, you know, I was taking an investments course from a very successful professor, and I went up to him and they had this book with all these charts in it and everything. And I said, you know, I could make money off that statistically. I don't even have to know what it is. And he looked at me and he said. You can't do that. Nobody's ever done that. And I said, I just looked, I go, no, I could do that. And it turns out I could, <laughs> it was right. Um, so I started developing, uh, mathematical algorithms, uh, risk management algorithms for the markets, very early stages of computerized trading. Um, so I was one of the early pioneers in that field. Okay. Ran into, I got introduced to a guy that was just launching a hedge fund, um, with similar theories, similar ideas. We teamed up. Um, originally I was supposed to be the guy selling, you know, going out, meeting the people with money and yeah. pitching them on our great services. But then we pretty quickly found out I was better at managing the money and he was better at selling. So we switched roles. So that was the creation of the hedge fund. That's where my original wealth came from. 
Wow. And do you think like, I mean, based on everything you've done and it sounds like you kind of grew up as an entrepreneur with all those traits already in place, do you think that you know, people are, are sort of born entrepreneurs? Do you think that that skill can be developed? Oh, it definitely can be developed. Mm. Um, you know, there's opportunity around you everywhere, every day. I mean, there's so much more opportunity I can ever um, capitalize on. It's just, I mean, it surrounds me. Yeah. And so part of it is just developing um, the mind to see opportunity. But more than that, it's to understand low risk opportunities where, you know, the risk reward is highly tilted. And this is one of the things I teach in my courses is wealth growth is all about expectancy mathematics. All, you know, all finance, all financial growth is governed by math. And a lot of people might get turned off by that, but that's just reality. And so the expectancy equation is what governs your wealth growth. And that's uh, probability times payoff. That's what makes it un not intuitive. Yeah. Everybody understands probability, but they don't understand the payoff portion of the equation and how that tilts everything. And so when you're building wealth, you've got to understand that, um, you know, you want to look for that low risk opportunity because it has small losses when you're wrong, mm -hmm. but it's scalable and can go big when you're right. And so what you do is you seek those big wins while always managing risk for a small loss. And then your success and it just becomes a, a function of sample size at that point. Right. So you can apply yeah. it in investing. You can apply it in business development. You can apply it in real estate. It, it, it applies across the board. It's a universally applicable principle because it's just mathematical truth. Yeah, it makes it makes so much sense. And for people out there, like I, I know a lot of people are maybe just getting started in their career, or want to branch off into something else. Like at what point should people start to look into investing for their future? Uh, from day one, you yeah. know, it's kind of like that, that, uh, uh, the ancient Chinese, whatever it is where it says, what's the best day to plant a tree 20 years ago, what's the <laughs> next best day today. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you want to begin investing as early as you can. You want to start with as small dollars as you have and begin developing your knowledge. So that, cause you're going to make mistakes. And so, yeah. um, the first mistakes are the cheapest mistakes. If they're small dollars, the most dangerous thing you can do is you know inherit a million dollars and have no investment experience because then you're making mistakes with large quantities of money mm. and so um develop your knowledge early on begin investing right away and uh, just keep learning and keep growing ideally like what percentage of someone's income should they be investing well there is no such thing as an ideal, actually. It okay. depends on when you want to achieve certain goals. So, for example, let's say you want to be financially independent in 10 years. There's actually an a article on my site. Uh, you could link to it in the show notes or whatever. Yeah, of course. It's called Any How Anyone Can Retire in 10 Years or Less. And it goes through the math of what your savings rate needs to be based on certain assumptions to you know retire in five years, 10 years. So, it, it, you know, there is no what it should be. It, what it should be is whatever matches your goals, right? Mm, so if you want to be sense. financially independent in just a few years, then you should save a very high percentage of your income or you should build a business because the unique thing about business entrepreneurship is that your equity growth, which is what we're all working towards, right? When you're seeking financial freedom, really what you're doing is you're seeking cash flow producing equity, right? Yeah. Financial freedom is just a euphemism for having a large quantity of cash flow producing equity. Now you can do that through saving from earned income and then compounding it. But what I also teach is the thing called the advanced planning framework, which is where you can grow it without any capital required through business entrepreneurship. And so that disconnects your equity growth from your return on equity equation. 
Um, and so it's a very different principle. I call it the advanced planning framework. And so, you know, it just depends on what your goals are. And then you build your plan congruent with your goals. Does yeah, that yeah. make sense, Colin? No, I mean, it, it makes total sense. I think, I think I'm, I'm like smiling over here because I mean, the principle is so simple. And I think that when it comes to finance and when it comes to saving and investing, we try to make things so complicated. Or maybe that's just what is out there. Everything out there is trying to make yeah. us you know, so complicated that we invest in something that really we have no idea what we're investing in. So here's the thing. None of this is complicated. Okay. All these principles are very simple when they're explained properly. Mm -hmm. What happens is a lot of people don't understand stuff. It's like the story, you know, the three blind men and the elephant. Yep. Um, you know, you send blind man one to the elephant and it says, you know, describe the elephant. And so the first blind man walks up and grabs the ear and says, an elephant is like a giant fan, right? <laughs> okay. The next blind man walks up and, and grabs the elephant by the back leg and says, an elephant is like a giant tree trunk, right? And then <laughs> yeah. the third blind man walks up and grabs the tail and says, an elephant is like a rope. And so each blind man is understanding his small piece of reality of the whole elephant. And that's most of what you'll find in financial advice is that people are giving you little tiny pieces of what they understand about the elephant of how you build wealth. Um, the unusual thing about what I've done is I spent my whole life doing this stuff. Um, like I said, it's my personal fascination. And I've come to understand that there is not single right answers. There's a lot of right answers. It depends on what the individual um, what their goals are, their resources, their abilities. And so you've got to take the characteristics of each asset class. There's three asset classes you use in wealth building, which is um, business entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. real estate, direct ownership of real estate, and then the paper assets that your financial advisor would sell you, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, that kind of thing. And so those are the three asset classes. Each asset class has unique characteristics. You then match those characteristics of the asset classes to your unique um, resources, skills, abilities, and that determine and your goals, and that determines what plan and what assets and what strategies mm. are appropriate for you. Love that. And so it, that, you know, it's really not complicated. Like, I mean, I, I teach it, it's in a course, right? So yep. it can't be that complicated if I can teach it generically in a course. Yeah. Um, but most people don't teach it that way. Most people say, oh, you know, you're supposed to scrimp and save as much as you can and you put it away in your retirement fund and it grows. Well, there's mathematical limitations to all that. There's limits to how much you can save net of what you earn and what you have to spend to stay alive. There's limits to the growth of paper assets. And again, all that's explained. And so, you know, it's it's another thing when somebody looks at it and says, okay, what are all the asset classes? What are the various strategies? Now, how do we put this puzzle together? It's like a it's like a three dimensional puzzle, and then you put it together, and that creates your wealth plan. And it's really quite simple once you understand it. Yeah, I mean, it totally it makes so much sense. And you know, for you, obviously, you've spent years doing this, and. You know, during those early stages, Todd, did you have someone that you kind of looked up to as, as maybe a mentor who helped you in this whole process of getting started? I'd love to claim there was a mentor. Um, I get there really wasn't. But if mm -hmm. I have to give credit to a mentor, it would be Gary Craig. OK, I don't know if you've heard that name. I haven't. Uh, you have? I haven't. No. Okay, Gary Craig uh, founded Emo Free is what he's probably best known for. He launched uh, EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique. Okay. Um, and that's probably something a lot of people have heard of because it went quite large. It's quite mainstream now. He took it from just a little idea and turned it into something big. Well, he and I were partners in the hedge fund business. 
Um, and he was the gray haired old guy and I was the young zitty face kid. And so if I have to give credit to a mentor, it would probably be Gary, but really for much of what I'm teaching, you know, that never came through Gary. What, where Gary and I worked together early on was where I developed an understanding of mathematical expectancy and how you apply it in wealth growth. Mm -hmm. And then from there, then I started branching it out into all aspects of life. I mean, it applies to every growth aspect of your life, whether that's your personal development, your relationships, how you grow wealth, how you grow your investment portfolio, how you grow your business. I mean, these are just fundamental truths and I learned them in investing and then I started applying them more widely. Yeah, that makes it's very interesting. And for you, I mean, it sounds like, you know, two things is you make things really simple, um, first and foremost. And also, it's you seem like you're very self aware. And I think those are very two important things when it comes to business and entrepreneurship and, and really life. How do you I mean, I think those came sort of naturally to you, but working based on, you know, some of that and, and other traits that you have, Say for you, like, what are some daily behaviors or daily things you do, which, you know, you can look at it and say, you know, this directly leads to the results I'm getting in terms of being able to get things done throughout the day? Uh, tough question. Um, you know, I work out every other day, mm -hmm. which is super important for keeping my mind clean and functioning. Um, so I do that every other day, maintains health and keeps my mind straight. Yeah. I'd say that's probably the most important habit I have. I read a lot for a long time. I mean, I was just a voracious reader, developing ideas and connecting ideas from disparate sources. Um, I think that was really critical in the early period. I'm not reading as much right now because, you know, there's kind of a rule you can't put out when you're taking in. Yeah. And I'm in the process of taking the knowledge I've gathered and systemized and putting it out in the form of information products, books and courses. And so it's really hard for me to read as much as I love to right now. I'm still reading, but not nearly as much. So I'd say um, I, I think books are probably the single best value in education. Yeah. Um, you know, as an author, I can tell you the amount of work that goes into a book and trying to get something tight and clean and understandable and cohesive. And the fact that you can get that for five or 10 bucks is just almost beyond comprehension. It's just an extraordinary value. <laughs> no, um, no doubt. So, yeah. So I think books are a great source of continuing education, which I've done my whole life, uh, a little less now than I've done in the past. Um, just as I explained, I think uh, constant workout, taking care of your health. Here's another one I think is really important is just not wasting time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really value my time. It's the one scarce resource that I, you know, it's truly scarce. I, I'm never going to get more of it. Um, and I spend it every day and you spend it till it's gone. And, um, so I, I try to use it wisely. Uh, I try to maximize the value I get from my time because there's so many layers of things that I love to do and love to incorporate in my life. Um, you know, that I, I don't know. I'm, am I answering it? I'm, yeah, no, I'm fumbling I mean, with it. it's perfect. I, I think that when it comes to, I mean, what I liked is time, because I think that when you look at say your calendar, when you're just starting out, you, there's a lot of white space in your calendar. And I think people look at that and, you know, how do you control time when there's a lot of white space and it's the, during those moments when there is white space is when you need to develop yourself. And I think that's kind of what you're saying there. Yeah. And I do, I do, I'm a little different with it. Like, um, you know, my white space is my writing time. Um, and I try to carve out white space just so I can do what I want. Like I don't have a problem with motivation. There's so many things I want to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's more things I want to do than I have time to do. 
Um, it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier about how there's more opportunity than I could ever harvest. You know, there's more things I want to do than I could ever do. And so, um, white space is like my goal. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> what I work toward because I love my white space. That's just like the best part of every day. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, I, I very project oriented. So I, I do stint work. Like I work on a project and I just really focus on it and I get it done. Hmm. So that's how I, I call it, you know, how do you digest an elephant one bite at a time? Right. Yeah. So I take on these large projects like a book or a course or a website redevelopment or whatever. I just hunker down and I just like organize it and convert it into action steps and just go to it and get it done until it's done. And then I go on the next project and then, you know, then I take off and don't work at all. So like, you know, if I'm working, I might put in a 14 hour day and then I, but I take three, four months a year off and just travel and do whatever. Got you. Well, it's, it's, it's amazing. You're at that point and you talked about, you know, writing a book and I know that that's a, a big thing. A lot of people write a book and it's, it's a big project to take on. And for everyone listening, it's the leverage equation. It came out the first week of December. Can you walk us through like from the moment you kind of, had the idea to writing a book, like how long did this take? How long did the whole process take for you to put this together? Well, the leverage equation is interesting because the leverage equation is actually, um, came from seven, seven, eight, nine video lessons in my course, which is expectancy wealth planning. Gotcha. And it was always, it was always designed as a book, but as I was building out the course, the students in the course, kind of like demanded the leverage material from me. And it really had to be in there for the course to be complete. Yeah. And so I, I took what had been developed as a book. So all my, all my products are already mapped out and they're in drawers in my office and I'm constantly adding notes to them every time I find relevant info and things. And then, so then the building of the course is just merely kind of compiling and finalizing and editing. And so, um, that's where leverage equation came from. There's probably like, I have six books live. Now I have the seventh book, which is risk management, how to make more by risking less. Mm -hmm. Um, that book will come out this year. It's already at about 45,000 words. It just needs a little bit more research and then a lot more editing. Um, but it's basically written. So that'll be the seventh book. And I probably got 10, 12 books in me and three wow. courses are what are what's planned but there's you know six books live right now the most recent is the leverage equation and where the leverage equation came from it's it's the it the leverage equation and risk management are the two halves of how you tilt the expectancy equation to grow your wealth okay right mm -hmm. so they're two different aspects but they're flip sides of the same coin if you will because leverage is the principle used to break through all the obstacles that hold you back in business and to create scalable large business results right and a lot of people don't understand leverage. They, they think they do, right? Like if I say leverage, you think you get it. Yeah. But most people uh, understand leverage merely as financial leverage. And they think of leverage as risky. What they don't get is the five other types of leverage that can actually reduce your risk and multiply your returns at the same time. And that's why I wanted to write the book is I really feel leverage is completely misunderstood in the marketplace. And so, you know, the book teaches you how to break through all the obstacles that hold you back from success, because basically all those obstacles, except for your personal obstacles, right? Like the stuff inside of you. Yeah. Um, all those obstacles that hold you back are typically solved by leverage. Um, and that's something that's not well understood as an aspect of leverage is that basically the only reason it's an obstacle is because you don't have the resources to solve it. 
And so those resources are going to come from outside of you. And so that's why leverage is always the answer. And then the fact that you solve obstacles through leverage is how you multiply your results as well through leverage. Hmm. Um, and again, it's all taught in the book, but uh, it's a very different understanding of leverage. Most people think of leverage like you know debt financing or mortgage financing or yeah. something like that. That's just one tiny aspect of the bigger picture, and it's it's the least interesting aspect of it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm sure everyone's going to grab their hands on this and. You know, last question for you, Todd, is I'm always interested, you know, with successful people like yourself is say you had the chance to go back in time and maybe sit down with an 18 year old Todd and not necessarily change anything, but maybe just offer yourself a piece of advice or piece of guidance. I'm wondering what that would be for you. Buy more rental real estate on fully amortizing fixed rate loans. Yeah. Now, I know that's a little harder in Canada, right? Because you guys don't have fully amortizing fixed rate loans, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. But in the U.S., it's like one of the few obvious no-brainer strategies because what happens is real estate basically rises um, in correlation with the inflation rate. And the government, ever since the Federal Reserve was created in the United States, inflation has you know destroyed basically 99% of the value of the dollar. Right. Over 90 percent of the value of the dollar twice now in the hundred and hundred years or so since the Federal Reserve came into place. So it's basically government policy to create a certain level of inflation. They try to target two, three percent. Gotcha. Um, sometimes it goes higher. Sometimes it goes lower. But they need inflation. They're the world's largest debtor. They need inflation. Right. As the largest debtor. Yeah. And so what happens is real estate is basically a leveraged play on inflation. And so if you can lock down fully amortizing fixed rate loans as the financial leverage on your real estate and get it positive cash flow or at least carries break even mm -hmm. at 18, it's a no brainer because, you know, 20, 30 years from now, depending on the term of the mortgage, it's paid off and you have an asset you can never outlive that will provide income that adjusts with inflation. It's like the world's simplest wealth plan that ever is, was in existence once you really understand how all the math works. Yeah, it's it's talked about by so many people too, right? I think that's the biggest piece of advice is just get into that, right? As soon as you well, can. I think it, yeah, and I think it's over-talked. Again, I'm trying to really make it simple. You said 18, right? So yeah. I look at it and go, well, if I can if I can figure out how to beg, borrow, or steal the down payments or leverage somebody else's money for the down payment in order to get a piece of property and I can just figure out how to carry it for 20 years, at the end of that 20 years, you know, when it's paid off, bam, I'm sitting on a fully paid off piece of property that earns me income for the rest of my life. Yeah. You don't have to do that very many times. You could, most people, if they picked up three fourplexes, they'd be done for the rest of their life. That's a very achievable goal, particularly when you figure at 18, you're typically living in rental housing, Yeah. you know, through your twenties. And so you can live in one of the units and that gives you all the operating costs are deductible because you're the on, on site manager. Mm. And so, I mean, it's just when you really understand how this stuff works, it's not complicated. We don't have to get into, you know, get rich with real estate or anything like that. It's yeah. just this thing like you can put it together and the probability of success is higher than just about any other strategy out there given a sufficient time frame. Love it. And Todd, like outside of people, you know, I, I'm going to share a link on how to get a copy of your book. But if people want to follow along on your journey, reach out and connect, where's the best place that they can go? Yeah, the hub of everything is at financialmentor.com. That's financial mentor mashed together, one word, financialmentor.com. 
And there's a ton of resources on the site. I mean, you know, yeah, I sell books. So there's six books available now. And there's one course of the three that I'm going to create. One of them's available now. But there's like the, the largest collection of one of the largest collections of financial calculators on the Internet for free. Um, you know, the only people that have bigger collections are the people that sell them. Uh, mine are all free. Um, and I've got, you know, thou over a thousand printed pages of educational content, all free. So there's tons of resources on there uh, that you can use. There's a podcast as well if people want to listen. Awesome. Um, and so just, just lots of free resources as well as paid resources for people who want to go to the next step. Amazing. Everyone, if you're looking to build wealth, um, create financial freedom for yourself, learn from Todd here and go to financialmentor.com. I'm going to share all these links to make it super simple. You can find them in the show notes, everyone. And now, Todd, the way we end the show here on The Daily Grind is I'm going to give you the floor and you have the opportunity today to share with our audience the thought of the day. So one thing or one thought that we can all go home with today. Yeah, so this comes from Andy Warhol. Um, and if I don't know how many people know Andy Warhol, but he was kind of a pop artist in the 60s. And he was widely, widely criticized uh, for his work. A lot of people said it wasn't even art. And uh, he had a quote I really thought was good because it, ha it has become art and stood the test of time. Yeah. And he has several quotes. Um, so the first one I'm going to give is just for fun. And the one I'll give you is your thought of the day. Okay. The first one is don't pay any attention to what they write about you. Just measure it in inches. Mm. And again, you got this goes back to the days of column inches on a newspaper. Yeah. Right. So you'd measure it in column inches. So I gotcha. thought that was really cool. <laughs> and then but the one I want to give you is the thought of the day is also from Andy Warhol. It's. Being good in business is the most fascinating kind of art. Making money is art and working is art and good business is the best art. Hmm. Love that. I like that. Yeah. It's an art form. What, you know, this, this goes back to some of the teachings. I, I'll never forget. I was at a personal growth seminar one time and the, the leader really knew me well. He got to know me pretty well. And he, you know, I was kind of worried like, oh, I was a repressed artist, but here I was this businessman and I love business and all this. And he looked at me, he goes, Todd, business is your art form. Hmm. And then, and then I ran across this quote. So that's one of the reasons it means a lot to me. Yeah, that's great. Um, everyone, I'm sure you took a ton of value in this episode. As you can see from this interview, success is driven by passion, hunger, and today understanding leverage everyone has to overcome obstacles everyone has a story start building yours today today we had the chance to speak with the amazing todd tresseter todd again i want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule there and coming on the show here with us today thank you colin the pleasure is all mine everyone if you like today's episode you found value in it be sure you hit that subscribe button drop us a comment share it with your friends until next time colin morgan signing off and always remember to keep on grinding. Yeah.